Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey Jonathan, how's it going? It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. My goodness, it's it's almost here. It's like 12 days away, or 11 days I guess when we release this. It's like a week and a half. Right. It's crazy. It, cre- it creeps up on me every time. And part of that is the the semester, you know, living by semester that it's, it, you're just in this kind of end of the year mode, building up to graduation, everything. And then that all gets behind us. It slows down and boom, we're less than two weeks away from Christmas. Yeah. Amy, uh, I, you know what? I, I should have gotten everybody this year for Christmas or stocking what? stuffers for the entire family. You know what would make a great stocking stuffer? What? SBC FAQs. Oh, wow. And every, get everyone in the family? I'm sure yeah. the kids, I'm sure the kids would love a copy I of mean, that in, what, what, in every stocking. What more could you ask? What else could a kid want? I mean, obviously. Yeah. Than SBC FAQs. I can't. Why don't you do that and then let me know? I'd really like to know what Avery thinks. Well, I mean, she, she loves Miss Amy, so I'm sure yes. that she would be happy. Yes. So, but I do know that there's a big sale going on right now if, if people do want to do this. So like yes. say you listen to this with your husband or your your wife and they're a huge SPC person and you're thinking, hey, I need to get that one last gift. Right. SPC FAQs at Lifeway. I, I think it's like what, 50% off right now? Well, yes. So all of B&H Academics releases from 2018, they're all 50% off. So oh, SBC FAQ. Islam in North America, that's one that's uh, big in my house, too. My Keith favorite Whitfield. Whitfield yeah, yeah. Thank, thank you for that, I think. <laughs> uh, some other ones, um, Trevin Wax's Eschatological Discipleship, Superheroes Can't Save You, which was one of my resources of the week That this was a year. good one. I, I think yeah. uh, a lot of people Thomas. that I talked to really, really liked that one. Yeah, really so helpful. That was actually one I think the kids would like. Yes, it's it's pretty cool. Neat Concepts Together on God's Mission uh, by Scott Hildreth. So lots of great stuff. Preaching by the book, preaching for the rest of us, um, a bunch of things. So all the 2018 releases from B&H Academic are on sale for 50% off. So um, we'll, we'll have to throw that in the show notes just so everybody's got the link. Yeah, they, they said it was for Christmas. I really think it was for Taylor Swift's birthday, but they're using yeah. the Christmas excuse or whatever. Yeah, because so. everything for you is about Taylor Swift's birthday this week, I, I, yeah. I think. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And, and just just so you know, Amy, Julia Bickley, she's my yes. favorite Southeastern professor. Yeah, yeah. I hear, I hear that, that you're her there. favorite. I hear you're her favorite SBC This Week co-host as That's well. Right. Um, That's but right. But you guys, yeah, she's a Taylor Swift fan as well. So you guys have that in common. But uh, she's awesome. And uh, one of my favorite people, so it, it works uh, for her to be your favorite professor. My, I'm going to have to say my favorite professor at Southeastern is Keith Whitfield. Shocker there. Yeah, everyone's expecting that, I would say. I'm, so. I'm still disappointed that there were no antics last week at graduation, but well, I guess we'll said, let that go. Did you see, he said, I stand in honor of this of my wife, of this graduate, my wife. Well, that's, so that was nice, said, but that's not antics. That. that was actually like sincere and... Like right. all mushy and really nice and stuff. Right. Yeah. But there were whatever. no there were no no shenanigans, but it was a lot yeah. of fun. It's this has been a big month for us. Um, we of course loved, as I had mentioned last week, the Behold the Lamb concert. Um, oh, that that was so good Monday night. And and loved the uh, the 
the live stream of that uh, the Ryman had graduation, which was big. We had a big snowstorm, very kind of like That's a right. record thing for North Carolina in December. I think it's like I had the, something it was like, like twenty inches at Ridgecrest. It was crazy. Yeah, it was like the fifth. Um, the uh, it was like the fifth biggest winter storm in North Carolina history since they've documented them in December. So, because it just doesn't happen around here. So that was kind of fun. And we got a little time off for that. So that was really cool. And then I got a big, we we have a big week in this house next week because somebody in this house is taking driver's ed next week. Oh my word. So it's a rite of passage um, happening. Uh, so if, kill old Amy? Old and next week, if I, if, if I'd seem completely on edge... When we record next week, that's going to be why. So, okay. pretty. That makes uh, sense. It's 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 a new a new era. Um, yeah. But anyway, a lot going on. Uh, but yeah. I'm sure everybody has tons going on, parties, all kinds of things happening, and it's a really special time of year. Yeah, and a lot of graduations going on. Uh, right. Graduations, uh, I think, tomorrow at Southwestern. Yes. I believe, and then uh, I believe New Orleans and Midwestern. And Southeastern, you all had yours last week. And you know who else right. has their graduation last week? Southern Seminary. The Southern Baptist Theological Seminary yes. located in Louisville, Kentucky. They are committed to training future pastors, missionaries, and gospel leaders. You can learn more about undergraduate, graduate, and doctoral degree programs by visiting sbts.edu. And um, we're going to talk a little bit about them today in this episode. And I was looking at the, the rundown here in this episode, Amy. It's not the most uplifting uh, rundown. Uh, these these are some right. very uh, lamentable stories uh, yeah. this week. It, it, it's quite a downer. Yeah, it's a, this I, I got admit this is that, a tough week. Know, this we've this had, week's uh, this week's had, episode goes well with eggnog. No, don't do that. Okay. All right. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is a tough week. We've had. I mean, obviously, this year has been a really challenging year. I think for the SBC, just a lot of the things that we've uh, had to process together and, and to, to deal with. And so we've had some intense weeks. Um, but this one is just a lot of sad stories, a lot of difficult mm-hmm. and, and a lot of really heavy things. Yeah, we start in Bossier City, Louisiana, my home state. Got to the office Monday morning, flipped up Twitter and uh, got a text and saw a couple of tweets about this. That First Baptist Church, Bossier City, uh, was on fire. And yeah. there was a couple of pictures. So I found a local TV station who happened to have somebody on the scene. And right. uh, I think it was Miranda. I can't remember the last name, but KSLA. Miranda at KSLA was live streaming from the scene at First Baptist Bossier City. Right. And sat there and did my work and kind of had this in the corner of my browser and watched as basically everything that was the old part of First Baptist Bossier City burned to the ground. I mean, it was devastating yeah, we it was really a, tough we, yeah we, we kind of posted some updates along the way on right. monday morning on the, the twitter account we were kind of you know trying to inform people about what was going on and talked to a couple of people close to brad jerkovich this week and uh, that had talked to him we have not had a chance to reach out to him uh we did get some audio though we'll play that for you just in a second though but uh shared a picture uh that's the the main picture you can see at sbcthisweek.com for this week's episode it's just a really really sad yeah, very difficult. And, uh, you know, same here. Monday was the day that we were all snowed in. You know, schools were closed. Southeastern's campus was closed. Um, and so I was at home. 
and just pulled up the Facebook Live, and I just kind of had it. I was doing some things as well, and I just kind of had it over in in the background. Um, and it was it was really sad. It was like they you would think they were about to contain it, and then they yeah it they kept burning. It burned right. for like fourteen hours. Right. It was crazy. So they they worked. I mean, oh, clearly bad. the firefighters just worked very hard on that. Um, and it's amazing. And uh, because it was such an early morning, you know, uh, incident, no one was hurt. There was no one there. You know, I, I noticed a lot of folks commenting on the Facebook Live. It started, I think, around 530. But it um, they have a preschool that opens at seven. And there were even parents commenting on the Facebook Live saying, I was just getting ready to take my, you know, kids over there. So the timing really uh, is, it, is a big deal on this because yeah. had it been a little bit later, you had a lot of children in there. Um, so no yeah, one that was been hurt. Devastating. Right. No one was hurt. And that, that, that's really good. So we were able to pull some audio from the Facebook Live and, uh, Pastor Brad Jerkovich, and this is what he said about the fire. He gives a little bit of detail, and, and also, you know, you mentioned the the hard work of the firefighters. Uh, he goes on and on about the the work that they're doing there because I mean that was that was an exhausting day for them and uh, a massive fire. So so here's Pastor Brad Jerkovich. I mean, obviously, I got a phone call from Chief Sagone, uh who said, Pastor Brad, there's a fire at the church. We're going to go. We're they're on it. Um, and then uh, several of my friends with the fire department called me earlier as well. So it, it started in a, in a central area, at least from what they could tell, but it just continued to spread. So that's, it, anyway, it's kind of, it's a tough one. It's a big one, no doubt. I mean, obviously, a lot of ministry happens here at First Bozier on a lot of levels. And so when you see buildings, you know, uh, ruined like that, you just go, okay. Um, number one, we're glad no loss of life. Number two, we're glad that the, the fire department can respond accordingly and take care of business. Obviously, we can rebuild. Our church is very resilient. They faced challenges in the past. We're going to face these in, in the future. And uh, But so many people have already texted and called and saying, Pastor, we're praying for you and your church, or how can we help? That's been incredible, you know. So that's very humbling, and we're very, very thankful for the for the whole region. I mean, the architects, frankly, for, for reaching out to us. You know, I don't know all the impact yet, to be honest with you. Well, I just need to get with Chiefs to go on and, 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 and see their assessment for where we stand. Um, but right now, you know, obviously they're trying to contain this as best they can. Thank you so much for reaching out to us today, and, and we're trying to inform people as best we can. Um, and so, but again, I'm grateful for the fire and police. They're doing an outstanding job. Been very, very awesome. Very thankful for them. Thanks for, for pulling that. That helps give some details. Uh, if we learn any more, you know, we'll certainly uh, bring that back up. But for now, we just pray for the folks at First Baptist Bossier City. Yes, and uh, if we have any information about uh, you know their next steps and plans uh, to move forward, we'll try to get that to you, and maybe uh, even try to get him on the podcast later, uh, you know, in the year or first part of next year. I know you know it's probably insane right now, uh, everything that's going on down there. So be in prayer for First Baptist Bozier City and the Faith Family down there in Louisiana. All right, Amy, uh, we mentioned that we'd be talking about Southern. They released an honest lament on slavery and racism earlier this week, kind of chronicling the history of uh, slavery and racism as it relates to the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Yeah, goodness, this was a big undertaking, um, 71-page report. I know probably a lot of folks that are listening have seen this 
on social media, maybe have even read it. I've printed it out and I'm working my way through it slowly because I think that's actually really important for those of us who are reading it is to take it all in. Um, essentially, this is a year-long project that uh, that they took on that uh, Dr. Albert Moeller asked this team of people to do. Uh, Greg Wills was sort of the head of the group um, that were, was doing it, led the committee and drafted the report, uh, but also uh, other professors at uh, Southern Seminary, Jarvis Williams, Curtis Woods, uh, Matthew Hall, John Wilsey, um, Kevin Jones, and, uh, and, and they all work together. So they brought a report that essentially said, we're going to really research um, the history of our school as it relates to uh, slavery and racism. Now, this is something that's been talked about and, and kind of just sort of discussed over the last several years. We know and understand people know the, the history of the beginning of the Southern Baptist Convention and know the history. You know, the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, um, one reason this is something that uh, becomes very crucial uh, for them to address uh, is because of the timing. I mean, this was the first seminary um, of the Southern Baptist Convention. It was founded uh, before the Civil War. Um, it's founded in, in 1859 in Greenville, South Carolina. So the issue of slavery was very uh, present. Now, all of our seminaries have things to deal with uh, in, in how they have dealt with race. But just as an example, uh, schools that came later, like uh, Southeastern came in 1950, you know, you have, you have other ones. They're going to have dealt with things just in different times. This one, particularly with the issue of slavery, a lot has been discussed about Southern Seminary and its founders. We've talked about it for years, but not a lot of detail has been uh, brought to the surface. Uh, we've just said that we know they were slave owners or we know uh, that they must have been okay with slavery because of, you know, because of being in the SBC. We, we've just kind of had a sense. This was a long-term in-depth research project to go to dig deep into their actual ownership of slaves, their support for the institution of slavery, um, what they had to say about it. And then through the years on into the civil rights era, um, how students were handled, how this was talked about, um, issues of maybe, you know, uh, paternalistic tendencies, just ways that um, that race, you know, was handled in ways that they related to to others. It's a it's a painful report. It's a difficult thing to read. Um, I think it's a necessary step um, in this bigger conversation that is just, you know, going to take a long time. Dr. Mueller commented in his letter that one thing that happened in 1995 with the resolution uh, where we addressed our origins uh, for the convention is that there may have been a tendency for a lot of people to say, okay, we passed this resolution. Now we've dealt with it. Um, well, somebody that I, I really respect, you know, said at one point, um, when we decide to take on the difficult work of reconciliation, we're not fully prepared for some of the hard conversations we're going to end up having because we don't know sort of the realities that we're dealing with. Um, and, 
And uh, as things come to the surface, it's going to be difficult. Well, I think this is one of those times. So they put this out, 71 pages, and Dr. Mueller committed to the committee uh, from the beginning that he would release the report in its entirety, that whatever they presented to him, he would make public. Um, and so I, I recommend we'll put the Baptist Press story in the show notes. We will also uh, put a link directly to the report. Um, go to it. Uh, read it. You can read it online or you can do like I did. I pulled it up online and printed it out so I can begin to go through. Um, it's a really well written. Everything I've seen so far, they put a summary of the findings. But it's just very, it's very honest and truthful. Um, now, I think... The, the question that everyone, you know, needs to ask after that, all Southern Baptists is, okay, now we know and understand this. What now? I think the thing they're calling us to at this stage is to really to just lament, to let, let this sink in, the reality of our history. Um, I think this also raises the question, you know, they've, they have done this for Southern Seminary. Um, we, we also have bigger conversations, you know, in the convention as a whole, um, and some research projects that I've done, I've come across, uh, different things that I, you know, wasn't aware of. And it's really tough to sort of take in. Sometimes I have to stop. I can only read so much in a day, uh, because it's so difficult to, to, to let it sink in. Um, but I think it's important that we read this and we begin to know the reality of our history. Um, turning on the lights is is the right thing to do, I think. Yeah, yeah. do the right thing and let the chips fall. Um, and, you know, kind of it, that's been kind of a theme for this year, I guess, is just, you know, just do the right thing. And, right. And uh, we'll see what happens from there. So um, moving down to Houston, Amy. A former staff member at Houston's First Baptist Church has admitted to embezzling more than $800,000 from the congregation. Uh, they approached him first, it looks like, back in uh, 2017 after they found some discrepancies. He immediately tendered his resignation, and they launched a thorough investigation. Uh, that concluded this past week uh, with him surrendering to law enforcement uh, this week on December 11th and admitted fully to the offense. So uh, said over the period of six years, and he embezzled more than $800,000. 500000 of that can be recovered through insurance and the church leadership approved using unallocated contingency funds to replace the rest of the balance. So uh, just a, an amazing story and, and, you know, another reason that churches need financial controls. And sometimes even with financial controls, uh, things can get uh, out of sorts. And uh, there's been, you know, we've talked a few times about some historic embezzlement cases here in the right. SBC. Uh, the, the one that comes to mind immediately is the one at NAM. There was one at, at IMB right. as well back in the, the early 20th century. I mean, these are, you know, about 100 years ago these happened. And I, I know this does happen at churches uh, more than it happens in the entity level, but uh, right. it's just uh, you know another reason churches need to be very careful with their finances. Yeah, and this seems like a really tough. I mean, this this seems like a really challenging case because it looks like it was sort of small increments and um, using his church credit card uh, to get cash advances and other things, and then maybe I don't know if he's putting it against particular accounts or whatever. It looks like they discovered, you know, some suspicious financial activity and confronted him. And then when they began investigating, they found all this, you know, and it adds up to over $800,000. So what a, what a difficult thing, you know, to, to begin to take in. 
we've had lots of difficult things uh, with pastors um, falling into uh, different things. Um, and this type of thing is a, a huge temptation as well um, and pretty uh, pretty stunning. So uh, that's tough for, for First Houston. And we have to remember that this is someone who probably had relationships in the church. And, and it's just really difficult for everyone to take in. Uh, so uh, that's, a, that's a challenge for them at the end of this year. We have some sad news from South Florida this week, Amy. Jess Moody, the founder of Palm Beach Atlantic University in West Palm Beach, uh, has passed away at age 93. Yeah, and, you know, Jess Moody was a really big deal. You know, just everything. Palm Beach Atlantic College, um, very good friends with Billy Graham, kind of part of his inner circle, I think, in some of the earlier years, uh, that he performed the wedding of Burt Reynolds and Lonnie Anderson. Um, which is kind of, kind of cool and and interesting. Um, he also was, uh, was nominated for SBC president in 1992. Uh, that's when Ed Young was, was running for president. So he became president, but a little piece of trivia that the person who nominated Jess Moody in 1992, um, Jerry Clower, which I still, uh, to this day, really, really wish. And I was a, when I was a kid, I got to go hear him do some storytelling. But I would love to go back to um, SBC tapes and go find the nomination speeches that Jerry Clower did. Um, but Jerry Clower uh, nominated him for president. Um, there, just a lot of uh, a lot of things. He also, I think, was was part of a few movies. Really interesting man, and just a, a, a fascinating life, uh, author of several books, things like that. There was even a movie made about his life. Get this, Jonathan. A movie was made of his life in 1967. 51 years ago. Like that was like, that was 51 years ago. So that like he had half of his life left. Um, more than half. Almost. So, well, yeah, I guess so. Cause he's 93. So he had more than half of his life left, but a movie had been made of his life. Um, so just sounds like quite an amazing uh, individual. And I would uh, love to talk to someone who knew him. Um, but uh, really, really great story. So we'll have the link to the Baptist Press article uh, that Art Tolston did this week. And uh, so people can learn a little bit more about him if uh, if you're not familiar. All right. And finally, up to Tennessee, where a uh, female youth leader has been arrested for statutory rape of a 16-year-old youth group boy. You know, we talk a lot about abuse in the church, and uh, both the sexual abuse, abuse of power. And we're going to talk a little bit about that in the resources uh area of the the show kind of later in the show. Uh, But this is just another example, like we saw with the embezzlement case that we talked about earlier of just some safeguards in the church that, you know, need to be in place a lot of times. And, and also that this can happen in any church, whether it's a mega church in Houston, Texas, or a small country Baptist church in Loudoun, Tennessee, sin takes hold in any size church and, and can cause issues in the church, you know, regardless of the size, regardless of the location. Most definitely. Um, it's just tough because, because I just think every time we turn around, there is a, another story and it is letting us know. I think we're in a time where we are having to face the reality. And this is another place where it's time to turn on the lights and we need to recognize what is happening. And we need to begin truly asking, like, what are we going to do? You know, how, how can we 
how, how can we change the culture uh, to where there's not a place for this? Yeah, and it's not just about prevention, but it's also about caring for those who have been abused, the survivors of the abuse. So yes. it's, it, it's two-pronged. It, it's not just, you know, we, we need to stop this from happening, which we do. But we also got to realize that there are people in our our churches, in our you know families, in our neighborhoods, you know, in our everyday walk that that are walking survivors of this. So, and I know we're going to talk a little bit more about this uh, at the end of the show uh, when we get to the resources section. But uh, just a good reminder here before we jump into my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. All right, we're going to go to 1966. Um, and I, uh, I, I've got this link and I think I've sent it to you, Jonathan. This is probably your, while we're recording this, you're actually reading it. Uh, so December 13th, 1966, the lead article for Baptist Press was about a group of Southern Baptist denominational workers who uh, had gotten together and they got to hear from Martin Luther King Sr., the father of Martin Luther King Jr. He spoke to them. They were uh, denominational workers who had been assigned the task of promoting uh, promoting cooperation between um, the SBC and uh, African-American churches. And these were folks who were working at the state level. And they got a chance to hear from Martin Luther King Sr., who uh, he was affiliated. He's a pastor, and he was a f- duly aligned with the American Baptist Convention and the Progressive National Baptist Convention. And he took the time to come and speak to them. He said in that uh, time speaking to them that he had tried to affiliate with the SBC 10 years before, but had been turned away. Um, he said he could probably join at that time. He said, I could probably join now. Um but he said he didn't want to do it until all the doors were open. So he was uh, referring to that uh, some local and state organizations might reject uh, participation. But the the story, the title is uh, King Blasts Apathy of Southern Preachers. So he's talking to denominational workers, but he's being honest about... Um, what was needed from the pulpit and this article i mean i'm just gonna i'm gonna share the link and encourage people to go and read it and just to kind of put yourself in that time you know and i did this because i I found it and we've had this report come to the surface from uh southern seminary and a lot of times when i'm searching for this segment this week in sbc history i come upon um stories of things um about that and and sometimes i will you know we'll we'll think about sharing you know other times i'll find a different story i felt like this was the right week uh to share an interaction um you know and of course you've got to think through the context of where we are it's 1966 it's the height of the civil rights era um there's reference to uh birmingham church you know bombing um and he talks about really the culture he talks about uh what Southern Baptist pastors pastors could be saying from their pulpit. Um, he talks about uh, just some of the difficulties, the things that were standing in the way 
of relationships. It's a really enlightening article. It just begins to to let us show this is a, a source from the time. This is something that had happened just that week. And Baptist Press put it as the lead article. Um, and that conversation was happening this week in SBC history. And, and Amy, that kind of fits in with the uh, kind of the, the theme, the you know hard discussions theme that we're having here on this podcast this week. Uh, and that's going to move us to our resources of the week, which is another pair of uh, very, very difficult articles. Uh, first of all, I'm going to let you go first, Amy, uh, talk about uh, the article by Sarah Smith, our good friend over in Fort Worth. So Sarah Smith, who a lot of folks know from her coverage uh, in the Fort Worth uh, Star-Telegram. She's a bit of a cult figure in the SBC now. Yeah. So I wonder if she realizes how big a deal she is. I think she does. I see people interact with her on Twitter. And one reason she became that way is because when a lot of the things were going on um, at Southwestern Seminary, because she's there in Fort Worth, she went to cover it. And she was tweeting the whole time. And so people started uh, to follow her because she was kind of letting folks know what was going on. And people were were very, uh, you know, interested to know and concerned. We got dinner for her. And uh, yeah, th- th- she didn't have any dinner, so some people sent her pizza. And uh, but in the process, also she would add, like was throwing questions out there, and people were kind of educating her on how our systems worked. And so I think that's that's kind of how it began because she was interacting with people. Uh, she also came to the SBC, and uh, I think a lot of media. I I met her. Um, you've met her, uh, and and so she really in, interacted with folks in Baptist journalism and, and communications um, and was just, you know, she she has been very kind. Well, she did a major, major story, actually made up of multiple stories, huge investigative reporting job on the epidemic of abuse in independent fundamental Baptist churches. Um, and it was just... It's really stunning, um, and it's story after story, and it's this, it's really uh, kind of exposing a reality of, you know, people being able to kind of move from church to church undetected, but then even almost like there's an, an indication of, you know, folks who have friends at other churches, and they send someone to another church, you know, or whatever, they connect them, so even that there it it was it was easy there was a, a an environment conducive for that so that predators could end up in one church after the other uh, and there's some really horrific uh, accounts in there very difficult she talked to a lot of survivors there are uh, videos of survivors who were willing to talk there's a map that shows you know all these documented play you know places where different cases came. It's a stunning uh, piece of work. Obviously, she's been working on this for months, I'm sure. Yeah, and it's very reminiscent of the Spotlight yes. story, you know, that you've seen the movie Spotlight. I mean, it's it, it's kind of the independent fundamental Baptist version of Spotlight. Yeah, it is. is. I was actually, I was reminded because I've, uh, in the movie Spotlight, there's a part where they start talking about when they would be ready to go with the big story. And then they start talking about how many other stories they're ready to, you know, to drop that they can have. And that's what she did. I mean, she just had like just piece after piece after piece on this. 
you and I both worked for Ed Stetzer back in 2012 when he did some posts because there were some things at First Baptist Hammond, Indiana, uh, which is kind of the big independent fundamental Baptist uh, megachurch. And uh, some things had happened. And I remember that post that uh, Ed wrote on uh, that. It was called It's Not Adultery, It's Abuse. And it was calling out, you know, the tendency to refer to these things as, you know, moral failure or adultery, even when it was involving someone who's underage and said um, and and just reckoning with, number one, the dynamic of um pastoral abuse, um, abuse of power, you know, and, and whenever it's someone that's in the congregation, but then it, then you add the layer of age. And so really challenging. And I remember there was a line in that post that said, you know, um, independent fundamental Baptist churches, you, this is a problem. Um, and I pulled that post up the other day and just looked at it again. This is a problem. You need to call it for what it is. Um, and it's just incredible six years later to see this story break and to really see it's a much bigger problem than I even knew, you know, that now the data is there to back it up. And so it's really eye opening. Um, but it re- this really should rock us. I mean, this is not just a problem in the Catholic church. It's not just a problem in fundamentalist churches. This is a problem um, that's widespread and in evangelicalism and in the Southern Baptist world, like we have to, to begin to recognize. Yeah. And, and I know there was a conference this week at Wheaton college. Yes. Uh, hosted by the Billy Graham center that talked a lot about this. Uh, got a 30 second recap of that, Amy. I, I know you watched some of it online. Yeah, I did. It was uh, really great. I watched as much as I could. I was in and out of meetings. Uh, everything I, I heard was really great. I heard uh, Beth Moore. I heard Ed Stetzer, Kelly Rosati, um, Nancy Beach, Max Licato. Um, and this was just discussing all of evangelicalism um, and how we have to begin to address this. So this is just like the report from Southern. These are these are steps. Um, this is not the final. Okay, now we've taken care of it. Uh, this is the point of having hard conversations and saying it's time to take action. Uh, so we'll we'll have to to see what comes next from all of these things. But yeah, so if you haven't read the the stuff from Sarah Smith um, in the Star Telegram, uh, it's not for the faint of heart. But I think we have to be willing to face the truth. Yeah, and and my resource of the week is another article that dropped this week. A big. Uh, long-form investigative article by Julie Royce in World Magazine about Harvest Bible Chapel up in Chicago. Harvest is affiliated with the Southern Baptist Convention. Its pastor, James McDonald, is scheduled to speak at the SBC Pastors Conference this June. And uh, this really outlines a—here's uh, the subheadline of the article. Former elders, pastors, and staffers from Chicago's Harvest Bible Chapel accused the church of financial mismanagement and a culture of deception and intimidation. And Julie Royce, uh, who's also the same uh, author that uh, had an investigative report into Moody Bible Institute that yeah. led to the eventual ouster of the president and uh, several high-level staffers there, uh, they're still—I think they just named a new president, uh, if, if I remember correctly. I think I just saw something about that recently. Uh, but that that happened at the beginning of the year in Ju- in January, and now at the end of the year, she's got this long form article on Harvest Bible Chapel. Uh, it's just some unbelievable stuff going on at Harvest Bible Chapel, going back three, four, five, six, seven years. Uh, she's chronicling it all with 
letters, with emails, with everything. Uh, financial impropriety, abuse of power, questionable practices within the church governance. Uh, it's a very long read, a lot of details. It's kind of, you know, sometimes you get kind of lost in the, the details and in the weeds of everything, uh, just because there's so much information that she's put into this and it should cause us to really, you know, look at church governance and are we, you know, setting ourselves up for some issues in certain instances of church governance and what's going on here. Uh, I haven't read this. I haven't read this story. I'm just skimming it. This is this. I mean, it's long, but this looks like a really difficult situation. It, it, very, very. Uh, and, and like we said, you know, he, he's scheduled to speak at the SBC Pastors Conference this summer. So we're going to put that link out there to that at World Magazine. You know, it's a, one of the top Christian magazines out there, and uh, you can uh, read that on your own. And, and if there's any response to this, we'll be uh, sure to report that in the coming weeks. That's going to do it for us this week, Amy. I know it's, it's man, what a tough episode. Um, just bad news, it seems, this week. Uh, it, it almost makes me long for the weeks of 8 to 12 state convention recaps, Amy. Yeah, this this is a heavy one. So, all right, let's so let's preview because we've only got two weeks left in the year. Wow, we do. We only have two weeks left. So yeah. So what's the plan? Next week will be a regular episode, and we will you know cover the news of the week just like normal. And the week after that, we will do our year end accolades, uh, where we kind of look back at the year in 2018, and we talk about the, the the ten questions that we had at the beginning of the year, see how we did on those, and the answers to those questions. And then also we'll discuss our top 10 stories of 2018 here in the SBC. Uh, I've got some responses. We put out a request for submissions on that and got some responses, some things that I'd forgotten about uh, throughout the year and some things that yeah. uh, I don't think we will forget about anytime soon as Definitely well. Definitely not. Yeah. It was one, this year has been one for the books. It has. And um, it's, you know, 2018 It's still got a couple of weeks left and you never know what we may get in those couple of weeks as well, Amy. Yep. So that, that episode will drop on the 28th. And then the first week of January on the 4th, we will drop our 10 questions for 2019. And then uh, it'll resume our regularly scheduled podcasts on January 11th. All right. And, and also, you know, if anything major happens in the meantime, uh, we will talk about that. One thing uh, we did miss uh, on the, today's episode, because it, it, there hasn't been a news story about it, we do want to remind everybody, please pray for uh, Chuck Kelly and Rhonda Kelly. Dr. Kelly is the uh, the former president at New Orleans. Now he's a chancellor because they're looking for a new president. Uh, his wife, Rhonda, was diagnosed with cancer of the salivary gland this past week. So don't That's really have tough. a lot of updates on that, but uh, do know that uh, that diagnosis came down this week. And he's asked for prayer, and we want to give that to him and uh, not forget them on the podcast. So... Uh, if you know the Kellys, even if you don't know the Kellys, please pray for them uh, in this season. Most definitely. That that was really tough. I, I hated hearing that um, this week. And uh, so I know that's uh, this is challenging, especially going into Christmas. So, Yes, it is, Amy. And uh, we will you know, remind, remember them in our prayers and uh, wish her a speedy recovery uh, through uh, the radiation that she'll be going undergoing and, and other treatments. So... Thanks again for joining us this week, folks. We'll see you next week. See you next week.